Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, we read verses 1 through 9. Matthew 17, beginning in verse 1. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground, were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Friends, Lord, open our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as scripture is read, as word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day in your name. Amen. You know, one of my favorite television channels, uh, particularly growing up, and uh, we, we still watch it some to this day, but not as often as I'd like. It's, it's called the ID Channel, Investigation Discovery. Anybody else watch that channel or, or something akin to that? It's a, it's a documentary murder mystery based on real life, chronicled by the people who it actually involves type channels, right? And, and one of my, my favorite shows growing up when I was young and why I still don't know to this day that, that uh, a, a young person would want to watch this show every single night at 11 o'clock p.m., but Unsolved Mysteries was my favorite show growing up, starring Robert Stack. The new one doesn't, doesn't live up to Robert Stack. <laughs> Something about his voice still creeps in my mind at night. How about those other shows that I remember growing up? No, not all that I would always watch, but shows like, like America's Most Wanted or uh, who remembers hard copy? <laughs> Anybody? I remember it because it came on Vox right, right after my favorite afternoon sitcoms, Full House and Family Matters. Uh, <clears throat> so it, it, uh, I would never really watch it, but it was there. Uh, when I was young, and, and my wife still does this to herself when we watch movies and things like this, I would scare myself silly, right? Anybody, anybody do that when you watch a show, watch a movie, or, or would watch it? Do you scare yourself silly or end up being scared by the end of it, right? Uh, at times when I was young, I would scare myself so much that, that I would not be able to go to sleep at night. In fact, when I was really young, I had my windows intentionally painted over in black 
so that nobody could see me inside of those, so they wouldn't know it was a window, so they couldn't sneak in and snag me at night. Did I mention I was on the second floor? <laughs> Anybody scare themselves based on something that they see or something that they hear? Well, this is exactly what the disciples did to themselves this morning in our passage. It wasn't based on a, on a show that they had watched, but they fell to the ground in terror because of how similar this experience that they were having now, how similar it was to the story that they all knew from Exodus. We read today in Exodus chapter 24, verse 15 through 18. Hear now these words. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire, consuming fire in other translations, on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the clouds, and went up on the mountain. Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. You ever have a deja vu moment? You know what a deja vu is? It, it, it's, just, it's a French word that means already seen. And the disciples knew that they had heard this story before with Moses and going up to Mount Sinai. And they, and they were experiencing a lot of the similar sequences now. So, so Exodus as prelude thus more than justifies the terror the three disciples felt that day after seeing what they had seen on the mountain. I don't know about you, but my first thought was, oh man, we're, we're going to have to prepare ourselves for 40 days and 40 nights by ourselves. You know, that's one fear. The other fear could have been, we know that, that Moses' instructions were nobody goes into the mist because they would be struck down, right? And so they were probably afraid to even take a step, not knowing how close they could get before they were also struck. I mean, do you see how the fears can continue to build up based on the deja vu that they felt like they were experiencing? But, but, but they, now, they now also heard a voice from the cloud. And the voice said, this is my son, whom I love dearly. I am pleased with him. Listen to him. See, the issues the disciples were facing was, if they were hearing this voice, then to them it means they were being called into the cloud as well. They were being called into the glory. They were being called into this consuming fire. They knew they were not Moses, much less Elijah or even Jesus himself. Yet they were being summoned to go face to face with the living God. And to come out on the other side changed beyond their imagination. And to their thoughts, perhaps thinking, 
if we come out of this fire at all. So fear to the core of their beings was not the wrong response here. From everything that that the prelude and exodus prepares them and for us for, uh, however, Jesus' response to their fear was life-changing to them and it's life-giving to us. What was his response as it typically is? Get up. Because they had fallen to the ground, they were so terrified. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Right? Fear not. I don't know about you, but I've learned whenever I hear the words fear not, there's good news to follow. The angel at Christmas prepared me for that. And Jesus delivers every time on the fear not, does he not? Get up. Don't be afraid. So the prelude from Exodus, in fact, it had not been misleading, though as they may have been thinking. Instead, the prelude from Exodus pointed to this moment. It pointed to this moment. Paul put it best in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, when he says, For it is the God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. They were being summoned like Moses into the glory of God through Jesus Christ. But but it was a glory that they had already known. It was a glory that they had already learned from. It was a glory that they were still following. Jesus is the glory. Someone say amen. Jesus is the glory. And God bids them on this day, even in their deepest fears, and God bids us even amidst our deepest fears. Fear not, but listen to Jesus. After this experience, they they headed down the mountain and Jesus tells them to not tell anyone else about what they had just seen. Do you ever wonder why Jesus told people that in Scripture? Because this is not the first time that we would hear this, right? So the question is, why not? Well, the first test of the voice from the cloud was to keep following and to not talk for a time about what had just happened. This was part one, okay? This was part one of the command. Say nothing now because I need you to focus, is what God is saying. Say nothing now because you need to focus on the following of me. Say nothing now because you need to take the time to focus on following what my son Jesus tells you and leads you and guides you into doing. 
as humans, we get ahead of ourselves all the time, don't we? I'm always thinking three, four, five steps ahead. I have big picture thinking so much that I forget to turn it to, to, to look at the small picture right in front of me. Anybody else have that problem? God knows we have that issue as humanity. So God is saying in this moment, wait, wait, so you can focus on the now. Just for a minute. Focus on what is the most important in this moment, which is your following of Jesus. You know, it's in the following, in the focusing on the following of Jesus that we witness his glory. And it's where that they were uh, to follow next. If we keep reading the scripture in Matthew's gospel, they, they follow Jesus down the mountainside uh, to witness Jesus cure a boy who has been horribly wrecked by uh, seizures to what they understood to be a sign of possession by a demon. A demon none of the other disciples had been able to cast out to this point. This is the glory that we're talking about, showing compassion showing strength in the face of disease and of destruction and of despair and of fear, setting an unclean child and his family free in this moment. They needed to be free to focus on what Jesus was doing in their lives in this moment. Focus on the following of Jesus. There was also a part two, right? After the resurrection, uh, the story of the transfiguration was to be told again. And we find this in 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. This is what we find. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when that voice was conveyed to him by the majestic glory saying, This is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic message more fully confirmed. You will do well to be attentive to this as to a lamb, lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by human will, but men and women moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So these are the words of Peter. And, 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 and why would Peter speak these words? And in part it is told up to shore up his authority, right? Peter says, uh, I was there in the flesh. I witnessed this happen to Jesus. 
So you need to listen to me in this moment because I'm giving you a first-hand account, an eyewitness account of the moment, right? Listen, pay attention, follow. We hear these words again, do we not? But, but, but Peter is quick to re, repoint, isn't he? he? He's not saying, you need to listen to me and give me the glory. He's not saying, you need to listen to me because I'm bigger and better than all of you because I was there. He is saying, you need to listen to me so that way you can listen to the one who I am pointing towards. You need to listen to me so together we can follow the one who has called us to follow. Follow the one I am pointing to. We have heard the voice of the majestic glory calling Jesus son and beloved. We're not making this stuff up, he says. We saw this, we heard this ourselves. You can trust what we have to say about Jesus. You can trust that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. It's Jesus we're pointing to just as the voice from above pointed to him and said, This is my son. It's a clarification of who Jesus is and whose we are. We belong to God. What, what Peter is saying is follow us as we follow him and so learn to follow Jesus yourself. Follow us as we follow him together, and in doing so, you will also learn what it means and what it looks like to follow Jesus yourselves. And why? So you can teach the next generation how to follow Jesus, so they in turn can learn to follow Jesus themselves, so they can then teach the third generation and so on and so forth. We got another word for that. It's called the church. The people of God. This is God's design for telling others about Jesus. Praise God for that. We are here today because this is God's design. So the feast of the transfiguration which we celebrate today is it's not primarily a, a, a commemoration of an event in the life of Jesus. Uh, if it were, think about it, if it were, it would be a sign of disobedience to the very story that we tell on this day. Because the voice from heaven clearly instructs Peter, James, and John not to shed, set up shrines to commemorate the event, right? Instead, their call and our call this day is to keep listening to the teachings of Jesus that has now been revealed in all of his glory. So what they had witnessed that day was no razzle-dazzle, it was no special effects spectacle, but rather it was a powerful, symbolic affirmation of all that was at stake both in Jesus himself 
and in their and our continuing obedience to Jesus. Did you catch that? That's a lot in one, isn't it? Listen to this again. Transfiguration is all about being a powerful, symbolic affirmation of all that was at stake, both in Jesus and himself, and our continuing obedience to him. That's what transfiguration is all about. Focusing on the following of Jesus. It's why it, it's why it precedes Lent so closely. It's so that way we can know that we are entering into the season where we need to focus specifically on what it looks like for us individually to follow Jesus. Maybe that means taking something away from our lives that is getting in the way of us following Jesus. Maybe it's adding something to our lives during this season. That way we can focus more on following Jesus. Lent's going to look a little bit differently for every person. And, and for some, adding or taking away is not going to be what, it, what, what needs to happen. Maybe for you it's something else. But what we all do, in fact, need is to focus on following Jesus more this day, this season, and this year. And that is something we can all do. We can do it individually. We can do it as the church. What would this community look like if every single person focused on following Jesus first? this season. So how will we do that? How will that look individually? How will that look as the church to focus on the following of Jesus? This is the gospel message for the Sunday of Transfiguration that we prepare ourselves for Jesus this season. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our closing hymn and hymn of invitation is Christ whose glory fills the skies, page 173 in the hymnal. Maybe you need this moment just to be in the presence of that transfigured Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you just need a moment to, to, to evaluate or to think through or whatever you need. Maybe you just need to, to say a prayer to yourself. Maybe you're listening from afar or maybe... Maybe you need to know what it sounds like to lead someone into the following of Jesus. And it's just a simple prayer that says, Lord, come into my heart and love me because, uh, let me love you because you first loved me. Whatever you need, use it in this moment as we prepare to go into the world, as we prepare for the season of Lent. Be in the Holy Spirit. Let's stand together. We're going to sing the verses of our closing hymn, page 173. Uh, Christ whose glory fills the sky.